Hey everyone, we're so glad you're here. I'm Elisa Monjadas. I'm a marketing leader and executive coach. I'm Courtney Copeland, and I'm an accountability and wellness coach. And I'm Dr. Mirari Simeon, an activator of talent, HR executive, author, and working mom. If you're anything like the successful multicultural women we interview on the What Rules podcast, you've learned that you can't do it alone. And we teach women like yourself to outsmart the game to get ahead in your career. We're really talking about those rules that we grew up with as women and expectations that have been placed on us. Our mission is to change the face of leadership at What Rules Podcast. As you listen to our talented guests, take note and take action. Go ahead, go and break those rules. So I recently had a, what they call a LinkedIn review to see how you show up on LinkedIn. And one of the things that I learned is the banner on your LinkedIn. It's like the first impression. It, they even talk about, it's almost like your brand. Mm -hmm. And I know it helps you stand out, but I was looking at yours, Meredith, and I was just Wanted to know, if, number one, if you knew that, and if you did, what does it represent when you look at your banner? I changed mine to say all progress takes place outside the comfort zone, mm-hmm. and that is so me mm-hmm. because everything I do, I love to step out of the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. If it's difficult, I'm your woman. If it's something that hasn't been done, I'm the one. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about you and what does it mean to you? My banner says Amplifying Black Voices, and I made that my banner because it's no secret I'm a Black woman in security and technology, and I've been doing this for 30 years. I haven't always seen people who look like me. I haven't always seen folks in leadership, women in leadership, Black women in leadership. So what I have made it my goal in life, in my professional career, is to make sure that I provide opportunities for those who are underrepresented in this space to make sure that their voices are heard professionally personally and the things that are important to them, we have to create space for people. And my position has always been, if we hold these roles, this is great to to be what we are and do what we do. But if I hold this role and I'm not creating space for others who look like me, what's the point of me holding this role? So it's really important for me to make sure that I'm giving that space for people to amplify their voices. I love that. Talk about a brand. I mean, you just reminded me, the McKenzie study most recent one, I guess, it showed that women of color mm-hmm. are getting degrees in tech. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the numbers have doubled, but the representation still continues to go down. Yeah. I think the latest numbers are, it went down to 4.1 from 4.6. Mm-hmm. So Meredith, you are a rare diamond. <laughs> so the fact that you have yeah. that on your banner, it just, again, it exemplifies who you are and your brand. And it really yeah. tells others that it is possible. So, ooh, I get the goosebumps. I love that. I love love that the banner means so much. (laughs) It does, it does. Well, I like that you can see your banner and it it immediately says, I'm holding space for your voice. Yes. 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 Like without any words having to be exchanged. It's Mm -hmm. like, hey, 
know your voice is welcome here, mm-hmm. connect with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm 100% unapologetic about it. I create a lot of noise and, and really hold people accountable for if we say that this is important to us, numbers don't lie. I say this to people all the time. Your numbers <clears> don't lie. So when you look at your org chart and you don't have the right representation in your org chart, you can say the words all day, but your numbers and your org charts don't lie. When you look at the roles that I've had over the last 20 plus years, my org charts reflect exactly what I say every day about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I live what I speak every day. I am Meredith Harper. I am the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer for Synchrony Financial. I have been in tech for 30 years at this stage of my career. I started at a time where what I do every day did not exist. What I did every day, what I do every day did not exist when I was in school. I couldn't walk into college and say, I want to be the CISO of the future. There was no such thing. Cybersecurity did not exist. I went to college when there was no internet. We really did didn't have email, and I was learning how to code in COBOL. There were mainframe systems that we had to manage, and so the tech was quite antiquated to today's standards. But one of the things that I think has made me really successful in this career is the ability for me to not chase after roles, but chase after experiences and make myself open Mm. and keep myself open to those new uh, evolutions of tech and things that come about. So when cyber did become a thing, I was prepared for that evolution because I really did seek experiences and not necessarily roles. The roles came over time, but the experiences were really what I was looking for. In terms of the hats that I wear, it's a lot of them, truthfully. So I am a wife. I have a wonderful husband who supports all of my professional and personal endeavors. I am a sister Mm -hmm. and I am a godmother. I don't have any biological kids, but I have four nieces and nephews and two goddaughters that keep me busy. I am a church member. I'm a Christian. I am a sorority sister. I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And I have been for 32 years a public service organization. I'm very proud of that. And at the core of it all, I'm a young girl, a young Black girl from Detroit, Michigan, who grew up in an environment that dictated something very different. I was supposed to be Mm -hmm. something very different based off of the environment and what it was telling young girls like me at that time. And I was able to defy those odds. But that's who I am at the core. I'm simple. I don't like a lot of complexity. (laughs) I'm personable. I love education, everything about it. So I do hold a hat where I sit on the board of trustees for the University of Detroit Mercy. I'm also a, a board member. I am a part of Berry Global. I sit on their public board as well as one of the tech independent directors on that board. So I love everything educational related and how I can continue to give back to the industry as well as my environment. You said I was supposed to be something different, Mm -hmm. like based on where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people listen Mm -hmm. to podcasts for inspiration and identification. Like, can you name what that difference was supposed to be? Yeah. yeah. So I grew up in an era where, so I was the smart girl 
right, on the block. And so there was a little bit of teasing I had to endure because I was a smart girl on the block or she thinks she's better than everybody else because she gets good grades and people were doing other things with their life, things that probably would not have been productive, things that probably would not have served them well over time. One of the things that I think my parents did really well is give me and my brother the ability to feel comfortable with making different decisions and exposing us to things that gave Gave us comfort that it's okay to be the smart girl. It's okay that I like math. It's okay that I like physics and I like these kinds of things. And that put me in a position where I was able to make very different choices than some of my counterparts as it related to my education and things of that nature. I had teachers who told me I could never be this. I had teachers who said, girls don't do that kind of stuff. Like, you need to take a home ec class, and we're not going to allow you to take a shop class because I wanted to learn how to take things Mm. apart and put things together. That was the engineering side of my mind racing, and I was being told that I needed to go learn how to cook. And there's nothing wrong with that. I know how to cook really well. But... (laughs) But I wanted to do things that were not <laughs> traditional, right? It, was, it wasn't what we saw in the 70s and yeah. 80s, in the early 80s with young girls growing up. And so I'm thankful for my family and my extended family for encouraging me to be okay with being different, be okay with pushing the envelope of what I could achieve, be okay with trying things, seeing if I like it. If I don't, I can go do something else, giving me that fearless perspective about life, that you can try anything, you can do anything. You can't always be hindered by other people's thoughts about what you can and cannot do, right? You are amazing. You are truly in the 4%. And getting there must have taken a lot of work, but also creativity. And so we're curious, what's one rule you've broken to get ahead of your career? There's been a a few that I've had to break just by virtue of the fact that I was the only one a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of push the envelope. But one of them that really kind of went against the grain was being able to challenge authority. And just because of the nature of how I grew up, I grew up in a household where debate happened a lot, conversations happened a lot. And even with our parents, we were able to debate certain things and give them our perspective and push back a little bit so we can really solidify why we think the way that we think and the things that we think. So I brought that into the workplace where I have worked in male-dominated fields my entire career. And the rules would be, you know, you have authority and authority is to be listened to and you do what the authority says. But by virtue of the roles that I've held for these companies, my job is to tell you the things that just sometimes you really don't want to hear. So I had to develop that courage early on to be able to break that rule to say, I can't be afraid. I can't be scared. I have to be able to push beyond this. I know that a more senior person is telling me this, but they hired me to do what's best for the company which means I have to now challenge. So I would say being able to push back against that whole authority has the final say on things Mm. was one rule that I broke and had to start breaking early on in my career. I became a vice president for the first time when I was 32. And with that, I was able (laughs) early on in my career to say, 
if I'm, again, going to hold this role as a vice president, I have to not only leverage my expertise, but also the role that I've been given, the level of authority that I've been given. And sometimes I have to leverage that pushback on people even higher than me to get the best outcome. So I had to do it probably earlier than other folks within their careers. I relate to that a lot. It's so funny because even before I met Dr. Murari and Elisa, something I always talked about was like challenging authority was like my rule that I would break. And I was like, it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's a sign of being an independent thinker. And it's saying, hey, I hear what you're saying and Mm -hmm. dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. You're right. (laughs) There are other ways to execute. There are other ways to think. And I just, I don't know. I feel very seen hearing you say that. But just imagine how many people are trained differently. How many people are trained to just follow whatever's told to them? There are times in my leadership journey where I've had to say to my team, listen, guys, I'm going to say something, but I need you to push back on me. I give them license up front and I say, I need you to push back. I need you to challenge me. I could be totally off my rocker about what I think I want to do here. And I am relying on you as part of my team to help me frame up the best way to do this, which means sometimes you have to say, Meredith, that is the most craziest thing we've ever heard in our life. And let me tell you why. And I'm totally okay with that. Because it's not really what you're saying, it's how you provide that pushback, it's how you're saying it to people that really put them in a position to say, you know what, they really want me to have the best outcome here. So in order for me to have the best outcome, they're going to have to say something to me that's going to get us to that best outcome, right? I'm okay with that. Can you share a story about a time you challenged authority at work? (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) I can share. Again, (laughs) so many opportunities in my career to be able to do this. But I worked in healthcare for 29 and a half years of my career. So even though I did tech, I did it within the space of healthcare. And got to understand doctors hold you know, space in those in those organizations. And they're very well respected. And people think whatever the doctor says, we're going to go with what the doctor says, whether it's sometimes right or wrong. And I had an instance where I came up against one of the more senior clinical leaders who was not on board with something that I needed his team and his doctors to do and adapt. And in this instance, I had to go above him. And I had to have conversations not only with the COO, but also with the board. And I had to share some transparency with them that in other, in some folks' minds, they might be like, oh my God, that's career suicide. Like you're going to go up against Dr. such and such. Like nobody challenges Dr. such and such. But again, my job was to protect this organization. So therefore I had to. And what I found in that moment is it took a, a tremendous amount of courage someone who is new to this level of senior leadership, going into a a board and saying what I needed to say, that was a lot to actually take on. But I found that the board was so appreciative that I was so transparent and that I was so courageous to have this conversation. And they kept saying, Meredith, that's more of what we need. We need you to tell us those kinds of things so we can figure out how to help and assist you to do the work that you need to do here. So, Again, it could have turned out bad, but in that instance, it gained a huge amount of support from the folks that I actually reported to, to a certain degree, which were my board of directors at the time. I'm really glad I asked for an example, because I think that it's something a lot of people want to do, 
but might struggle mm-hmm. to envision. So thank you for explaining that. And I think that leads us right into our theme, right? Don't do it alone. And it sounds like you were courageous in taking the step and speaking up. But I'm wondering from a don't do it alone perspective, were there people around you that supported you Absolutely. or what did you do or what do you even think of, of that thing? Absolutely. And, and here's the interesting part. When I look at the first 20 years of my career, I always reported to Caucasian men. I never had a woman leader. Mm-hmm. I never had anyone of color that I reported to for the first 20 years of my career. And and so I would have to say it was those Caucasian men who took a liking, uh, affinity, they appreciated what I brought to the table, and they brought me along in my career. They gave me opportunities that others would not give me for whatever reason. I don't think I really even know what the reason was, but they felt like, hey, we like this young woman. She seems to be really vested in what we're doing as a company. We're going to partner with her and we're going to move her along in her career. So I never try, even though I have a huge lens on diversity, equity, and inclusion, I never eliminate the fact that the first 20 years of my career were orchestrated by people who did not look like me, gender or race related, right? But when I got to the 20 year mark, I got a chance to report to my first woman, Mary Alice Anna Carico was the new CIO of the company that I worked for. She is probably one of the most influential leaders I have ever worked for. She was not a technologist. She was a nurse. And she had a she had the ability to marry the clinical side of what we do to the technical side of what we all did and help us to understand how we collectively serve our populations. But the grace that this woman brought to the table, the regalness of the way mm-hmm. she entered into the room and people would just automatically just follow and listen and just be mesmerized about how she can get us to do the things that she needed us to do collectively as a leadership team. She taught me how to finesse someone without them knowing that they're being finessed. And and I'm going to say it that way, because that's really what it is. She had an end goal that she wanted, and she was able to talk you through that. Whereas at the end of it, you're like, well, absolutely, Mary Alice, that's exactly what we're going to do. I mean, she could influence people. She could get you on board. And that was the most amazing experience I ever had. And I always still talk about her because, again, she took a vested interest in me and said, I'm, I'm going to partner with you. Tell me what you want to do in your career. And she she's helped me get there to this day. In addition to that, I think about Nancy Schlichting. She was the CEO of the company that I was working for. And Nancy was also a very huge influence in my career. And she partnered with me as well. But she partnered with me in a different way. So she partnered with me in a way where she would still hold me accountable for the things that I didn't do so well. And she would make sure that I'm developing myself. But she also taught me how to be human in leadership. So, Meredith, you mentioned that during your career, you've had leaders and other people help you and give you opportunities. Here, we are really keen on equipping leaders who want to advance multicultural women. And my question to you is, what advice would you give a leader in a position of power such as yours, especially during Black History Month, on how they can intentionally advance this incredible talent? 
Yeah. Be bold and be noisy. Tell me more. Yes, you got to be bold and you got to be noisy. Um, Change is not going to happen silently. No change throughout the history of this world has happened silently. Everything has been happening with some noise. And so I think that if, again, we're going to hold roles that give us the authority to ensure that there are diverse talents across our organizations, we have to be consistent with pushing those voices and pushing those talents across our organization, which means sometimes I'm going to have to be noisy and people are not going to like it, that I might be a little noisy. And it's a boldness that comes along with that role that you hold. People have said to me, I've actually been called into HR a couple times. Well, you know, Meredith, you are hiring a lot of minorities. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, what's going on? And I said, yeah, I'm hiring them, but I'm also hiring other people as well. Like there's no shortage of talent that we need. I'm just ensuring that I have balance. That's all. And so I would encourage people to be bold, be noisy, be okay with the fact that some people are going to be uncomfortable with what you're doing. But I do believe that we source better together when we have diversity. I think that we solution better together. I think that having not only diversity in gender, age, sex, experience, industry, it's more than just the normal things that we look at, which is normally the sex and the race. It's more than that. I'm looking at diversity across the board. No, I love that you mentioned that because somebody has to be brave. Somebody has to be bold. Somebody has to take the chance. And who better than people in the position of power to bring a change and to do the right thing, to your point, to bring the talent, give the opportunity to talent that right now is not being seen. So thank you for sharing that. And for the listeners, this is also something that women of color can bring up to their leaders because I know there are leaders many times, and I'm sure you have this, people that you mentor, they're like, what can I do for you? And many times they don't know what to say. So we're telling you, woman that is listening, ask them to be bold, ask them to support you. That's right. Thank you. I I appreciate that because it's going to take all of us to your point. Somebody was bold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Somebody took the time for you. And we are so thankful for them. They did. And we want to just make sure that it continues to happen. I know that we've seen it throughout the interview. You are passionate about empowering women and people of color to, especially to embark upon their careers in technology and information security, to say the least. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. advice or resources would you like to offer to our listeners, specifically during Mm -hmm. this Black History Month? Yes. Um, So I'm going to say this, and and I'm not uh, publicly supporting and endorsing anything specific, but LinkedIn can be your friend. And I think that um, (laughs) I really encourage people to leverage very strong LinkedIn profiles, leverage those and make connections in different groups where you get to meet different people, share ideas and make networking connections that you may be able to leverage in the future. So LinkedIn is an easy one because it's free and you can actually create a great profile out there. And you can start to connect with like-minded individuals in your industry, as well as even beyond your industry. So LinkedIn would be one. In the technology space, I would say that there are industry organizations that are out there in all of our verticals. So for security, we have things like ISACA or ISC Squared or SANS that offer all types of educational opportunities, connection points, conferences, webinars, things that you can do to kind of beef up your um, experience, but also make connections 
with people because that's really the name of the game for us. We get opportunities because sometimes we're connected to the right people who have those opportunities. So you got to put yourself in those spaces where you can actually get that exposure. So I would look into any of those industry level, but it could be for any industry that you're in. I, I just spoke about the one security base, but if you are in healthcare, if you're in human resources, if you're in other spaces, there are industry groups that are part of any of those verticals where you can actually start to engage and start to make good connections with people in the industry. Great. Thank you. And I just have a, a one last question for you because I think sure. when people see people like you in these positions of power, they're like, oh my God, do I have to give up this? Or what is it really going to take to be there? Can you tell us what do you do for fun or what do you do outside of work <laughs> so that people can see, hey, you're human. You have other things outside yeah. of, of just being yeah. you know, in this position. I think that we have to always have balance in our life. And I actually don't always think of it as balance. I think of it as integration. My work life integrates with my per per personal life. And I spend a great deal of time with the best human on this earth, which is my husband, Lowell Harper. So I get a really great opportunity to do some cool things with him. But for me, I do spend a lot of time with my family. And we don't live in the same states with the majority of my family. So being able to see them at key holidays or being able to connect with them and just be married Meredith, nothing else other than that. Not Meredith, the executive, not Meredith, the this. It's just I'm Meredith and that's it. So that really rejuvenates me and, and all of that. I talked earlier about the service that I like to provide to the community. And that's also an area that gives me a recharge when I need to just go out and do something good in this world. And so I get a chance to do that through my sorority or through my church. And so for that, that gives me that balance and that integration that I'm looking for. Now I heard by, I think it was a little bird told me that you're a part-time comedian. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about that? Am I? <laughs> I don't, you know, here's the deal. I don't think that I am technically a comedian, but I can be pretty funny uh, <laughs> um, depending on what's going on. I love to laugh. I love to laugh and I do love to make other people laugh, but sometimes my observations about normal life is just funny to people and they think I'm hilarious, but I don't know if I can get on anybody's stage to say that. I'm not going to be on anybody's <laughs> stage, but I do love a good laugh. I do love to make people laugh because truthfully, that's what it is, is all about. It's bringing that joy into your life or other people's lives. And I find ways to do that. Whether I'm at work or whether I'm in my personal life, what we do is hard. This work yes. is hard. It's not easy at all. Any opportunity we get to infuse some levity into what we're doing, I'm always going to take an, an opportunity to do that. I love that. Keep the joy coming. Yes. Any last words you that you have for our audience of women of color? Be bold, my sisters. This is, I mean, truthfully, be bold. We get these opportunities probably once or twice in our lives to do transformative work in the world. And you, if you have the opportunity to do it, you have the opportunity to open the door for someone else, do it. Somebody did it for me. It is my responsibility to do it for someone else. So hopefully that encourages people to do the same thing. Want more advice on how to break the rules and outsmart the game to advance your career? Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, and our website, whatrulespodcast.com for more insight from our guests and hosts and join our community on LinkedIn where we discuss rule-breaking strategies for multicultural women. 
What Rules is a project of Zara Consulting and is supported by the amazing team at Stories Bureau. This episode was produced by Alexandra Uresta with editing and music supervision by Joshua Ramsey and was engineered and mixed by Tim Ballant. Our podcast cover was designed by Delion Creative. Visit whatrulespodcast.com for more info, upcoming events, and all episodes of What Rules, including video, and make sure to give us a follow.